Welcome to The Disenfranchised, helping you to find a career path away from employment by exploring the franchise community. My name's Ed Pennell, and I'll be speaking with the entrepreneurs, experts, and leaders from across the franchise community, discovering their life stories and hearing their tips for success away from the typical nine to five grind. On this episode, I'm speaking to Sam Acton, the founder of Domestic Angels. Now, Domestic Angels has been established for 20 years, providing home cleaning services to the Bournemouth Pool, Ferndown, Southbourne and Christchurch areas of Dorset, and more specifically provide weekly cleaning, spring cleans, ironing, general housework and holiday home changeovers, as well as concierge services. The business has been franchising for about six years now, and Sam is a well-known figure in the industry, so I'm really looking forward to the conversation. And talking about looking forward to a conversation, uh, take, take a step away for a moment from this podcast and imagine that when you're calling a company to discuss their service or product, you're looking forward to speaking with someone to get the answers you need, right? But if you can't get through, it's frustrating. And I would guess that you're probably going to go to the next company and that first company is going to lose your business. Now, if you're the owner of the business or, or potentially franchise, this could be a lost sale for you and it might not even be your fault. You could be speaking with someone else or delivering a service already. It becomes a missed opportunity for you. And um, an interesting fact is that every year, UK businesses lose over 30 billion pounds in lost sales or missed opportunities. Every year that is, so that's pretty, pretty significant. And that's why the sponsors of this podcast, Symphony, exist. So Symphony offers outsourced customer support services so that you can focus on growing your business or franchise while they take care of your calls, emails and web chats. By letting Symphony take the strain, the team of customer service experts will respond to your customers' inquiries and questions quickly and accurately while keeping them happy and coming back for more. Their expertly trained team provides live chat, email response, social media management and phone call handling 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, meaning you'll never miss an opportunity. If you want to find out more about Symphony and their services for franchises, uh, as well as small businesses as well, uh, make sure you visit www.symphony.co.uk forward slash disenfranchised. That's www.symphony.co.uk forward slash disenfranchised. All right, so um, before we jump into this interview with Sam, I just got to say that um, I have well, I have to say a massive thank you to Sam because I had a lot of internet issues and it kept dropping out. She kept on uh, soldiering on and chatting away while I was uh, trying to, to get myself back into the conversation. And uh, a little bit of editing had to be done on my side. But listening back, I think it sounds okay. Only maybe one or two patches where uh, perhaps the questioning goes a it changes direction pretty quickly but hopefully you won't notice too much of a difference and um, thank you for for bearing with me as as I, I had to do a fair amount to, to get this done but uh, as I say a massive thank you to Sam for for bearing with me and uh, I think it's an excellent episode lots of interesting information advice stories it's a it's a good one so I uh, hope you enjoy it and I'll catch you on the other side Sam Acton, welcome to the Disenfranchised. How are you doing today? Very well, Ed. Thank you very much for having me here. What a great welcome, and uh, wow, it's good to be here with you. Well, f- thank you very much for for sharing your time with me. I really appreciate it, and um, 
I, I, I follow you quite a bit on Facebook and, and LinkedIn and see you, you out on your, your boat a fair amount. So, um, it was a quite nice week this week, so I'm, I'm hoping you've got a chance to get out and about. I'm just grateful I've, I've managed to get you for, a, for an hour or so to have a chat. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> have you been out recently on your boat? Yeah, I was out all weekend. I was out uh, for four nights and um, my husband made me come home Sunday evening. So, uh, yeah, I'm, and I'm, I'm still here in my office, but I'm going to go again later on today or tomorrow. Uh, yeah, it's where I am. I, I should be just like a sea gypsy of some description, really. I was going to say, you need to get your office on the boat. <laughs> oh, yeah, I can. I, I've got full connectivity on board, um, which is why I can stay on there for so long. We did a month last year, and we're going to do a month this year. So I can process, do whatever, communicate. I can even do podcasts with you, Ed, from the boat. We'll do show number two from uh, aboard, shall we? Yeah, definitely. As long as I can go on the boat as well. <laughs> Great. Okay, let's do that. <laughs> Welcome. Yeah, it sounds good. It sounds good. So, um, Samantha, we're, we're going to sort of go into your what you're doing currently in a, in a little while. But like I do with everybody on these um, these podcasts, I'd love to find out what your first job is. My Sorry, your first job, job was. My first job was. Oh my yes. goodness! Um, growing up in rural Dorset near the sea, um, in the fam you know, we didn't have an industrial revolution down here. So everybody has to be self-employed or do their own thing. It was always very normal. You just go out and get a job. And actually, um, I got a little Saturday job when I was 14, I think it was. So you could do that back then uh, in a kitchen design studio. So okay, cool. kitchen design. So it was a bit of selling, but I didn't even think about it as selling back then. So I, I, probably that might have officially been my first job. <laughs> All right. Okay. So kitchen design work then, that is that something you kind of fell into? Is that something that sort of piqued your interest? Uh, no, I was just able to earn some money for a Saturday afternoon. So it fitted with my life and I could get the bus <laughs> there and I could get the bus back again. And when I say bus, because of where we, we lived, um, it was a Cowtown special. So everything has to knit together quite carefully. <laughs> it's only one a day, each direction. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. So um, yeah, it, it, was it that after a specific you... subject of interest? It was just one of those things that happens when you're a kid. So I did that for a couple of years while I was doing, oh, way back then, O-levels. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so was that during education or, you know, were you halfway through GCSEs? What was, when were you working? Yeah, I... I... I did it during um, my um, O-levels. So that was year four and five back way back then. I think it's 10 and 11 now. Um, and then, I, you know, I always kept some sort of job from there on in. I have always worked doing something, whether it be um, McDonald's. We got a McDonald's in our local town. It was very exciting back then. Uh, I learned loads about customer service and process when you work at McDonald's, that was quite kind of good. And you could do all sorts of shifts around A-levels and uh, pub work. You know, if you can pour a pint, you'll always earn. So that's where that one came from. And uh, as I finished A-levels, I went, I took a job in um, Norway, Stavanger, on an island oh, wow. in fjord as an au pair. And wow. I lived out there for a year. 
and I still know all the children and the family now, and I know their grandchildren. <laughs> so oh, you know, they come awesome. and stay with me on the boat, actually. So that was a big game changer in my life, being part of that uh, family in Norway. And from there, I went to university in North London, um, where I got to have my part-time jobs, including at Arsenal Football Club at Highbury, um, which wasn't very far from where I was living at the time. Um, and then, you know, as I said, I always worked, even when I'm studying, I've always worked, I've always had a job. I just, it's just part of me. I'm, the, I'm a grafter, I guess. I'm, I'm that kind of person. I'm very independent financially. So just, just keep at it. Um, and I, as I graduated, I took uh, agency part-time work in the city and West End, which was amazing because I got to work at Goldman Sachs, Guinness Flight, uh, Hanson and really have a nose at some massive corporates and quite frankly I wasn't interested it was really fun for the year I did it and moved around and tried lots of different things um, but it was it was also the best thing that I managed to get a position uh, back down in Dorset in financial services um, which, which got me back to my locality uh, wait, yeah do you know it all, it's all worked out. It, it's great. I know so many people. It's ridiculous. And I've seen so many things. It's fantastic. You know? Yeah. Going is a good, good thing to do, to meet lots of different people and see lots of different companies and uh, get a slice of this and a slice of that. Yes, that's fantastic. So did you did you ever at any point think um, that you'd like to find a career and, and uh, that you wanted to stick to and settle down within or you know, were you quite happy at that point just to, to be out there trying trying different things and going to different places? Well, I, I did. By taking the position in Dorset in financial services, I was stepping onto the career ladder. And it's not that I uh, consciously thought, right, I'm going to have a career. I'm going to do 25 years and put money into a pension. That was never part of me. Um, it's what you did. You graduated and you took a graduate position and you did the next steps. It was years down the line before I realized, actually, I was trying to make myself conform and fit with something that wasn't natural to me, that really, I'm just like every other member of my family and so many other people who were born and raised in my area. We're just naturally entrepreneurial. It's what we do. Yeah, it's interesting. I've not thought about that before as, as location um forcing you to almost be entrepreneurial um but but now i think about a number of the franchise brands i've spoken to and people in the industry quite a lot are from the the southwest thinking about it so they're quite on yeah it shows there is that entrepreneurial spirit down there um yeah you have to adapt and make your own business in order to generate an income because there is not a factory on your doorstep we didn't have that we literally went from very impoverished farming situations and fishing situations to work to all entrepreneurial uh, and taking it up a level from there. So when I look back in my family, there's a lot of uh, fishermen. There was um, Wainwright, so building wheels for carts. Um, one of my grandmothers owned the post office. I mean, she owned the building as well, for God's sake. That, that was great-grandmother, actually. Um, you, you know, there's lots of things like that. 
in the family and uh, whilst nobody would admit it I'm sure there was a number of smugglers as well because that's entrepreneurial and resourceful but yeah. you never hear about people having been um, a foreman or a team leader or you know anything like that because that's not part that that, that was just never part of the world that we you know our ge- geography it just wasn't there. Yes it's interesting isn't it I, I live down in the the southeast and what there seems to be a lot of around here is is design agencies, digital agencies, and I think it's because it's a cheaper location to to have an office, but still get into London fairly quickly. So the town I'm in, Ashford, is is starting to to boom with those sorts of businesses. And I mean, there's there's rumours that Netflix is coming to to build a studio nearby us as well. So that 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 then is you know the the big factory. But I think. Um, as I look around the the county, yeah, there's a lot of design agencies, a lot of marketing companies down over this way, and and that's probably because of the location, right? Because we're kind of forced into just feeding into London most of the time because we're strangled by the M25, really, down where we are. So, yeah, yeah. so absolutely, location has a great bearing on what, how you decide to earn your money. Yeah, I've not thought about that before so that's interesting but um what, what one of the the, the jobs you, you mentioned to me before we we jumped into this recording was that you you worked uh, at my club Arsenal and um I, I'd love it if you could share that with with everybody what you were doing there <laughs> it's literally like you're, you're a student you earn, need to earn some money so that you can supplement your income and when I was at university it was before student loans so you had to work as well as study there was no two ways about it and one of the jobs I managed to secure was working at Highbury um, at the Arsenal football ground. And I held the keys for the North Stand. So on, on, bear in mind, I know so little about football. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's really rude that I had this amazing job. And all I had to do was arrive about two hours before kickoff, hang around the stand. And then when the police arrived, I went and stood in the little raised area um in the stand with the, the police watch the game except I didn't really I mean Ed you'd be it's shameful I think I talked through I the whole thing every time because I didn't know what I was looking at <laughs> and uh the I held a bunch of keys that was my job with my responsibility to so hold this bunch of keys and if there was a problem with the facilities they just needed to be locked nobody ever cleaned them fixed them you just locked them and even the police would escort me to lock them and then go back to the race stand with them. And then uh, as the final whistle blew, the police would escort me down to the pitch and I would walk around the pitch and leave the pitch with the football team, uh, usually uh, with Anders Limpard. <laughs> so it's just like, that's what I did. And then I went home and I got paid really well for it. See, I think I'd have made that my permanent job. I'd I'd been quite happy with that. And and one one of my friends would be um, very jealous as well of that. Now they support a different football club, but they got a job as a steward, and they thought, okay, this is going to be fantastic. I'm going to be at all of the games. This is while they're at uni. They weren't allowed to face the pitch. They had to stare at the crowd the whole time. (laughs) So you you definitely had the best job. Yeah, Stuart sounds great. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just remember him saying to me, I was just gutted. I couldn't watch the game. <laughs> but there we go. So uh, 
Okay, so where did your your where did you kind of see your your career going then after the, these kind of temporary jobs? You said you started to move into that kind of financial industry, and you were trying to shoehorn yourself into that. So, did you have like um, an epiphany moment where you went, "Aha, right, this is it. I know what I want to do now." Or how did things progress from there? Gosh, no, I have never had that moment. I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I don't know if it's compulsory that we all get to have one of those. But um, <laughs> I, well, I, I, I ask because I think for, for me personally, I, I, a lot of the times when I've been in, employed, I've always thought, I just need that big idea. I just need to know what it is I want to do in my life. And then I'll be able to push all my effort towards it. But I kind of just never found that that moment, right? I don't think you ever do. But um, yeah, what was it like for you? No, well, it's really it's really intriguing what you say, Ed. Given what I'm doing now, and I'm 20 years in on my business, why did I never think about that? I think for me, I've just always worked, and so I worked. I worked in financial services, and when I was made redundant, I found another position. And I worked. It never occurred to me to think differently. But I was really aware of the fact that I didn't fit. I was really aware. And it did cause problems. I couldn't move forward as well as other people um, because I saw things in such a different way. And there was nothing wrong with that. But essentially, you can't change yourself. You are who you are, aren't you? Yeah. And we need to bring out our strengths and uh, do our very best in whatever we can. And what brought me to Domestic Angels um, was that our son, uh, he was coming up to his first birthday. It was a few months before and I'd gone back to work after maternity leave. And this was before the laws changed. So I had to go back full time. And... Uh, I was based in on the Isle of Man and in Southampton and I w- it was all over the place. And this is not a really great way to function as a parent because you're no. not getting that time and, uh, with the kid and you're shattered and, I mean, it's just carnage, really. And uh, I managed to get made redundant again, which, you, you know, it's quite easy to get on the list if you know how to work, work the system. And uh, I came home and I had no idea what I was going to do. In fact, I hadn't even told my husband that I was being made redundant. I knew all about it and I hadn't said a word because I was in a really dark place in coping with life. Um, And I was like, right, this has got to be resolved. This has got to be resolved. This has got to be resolved. So I think, you know, it's like, Ed, Ed, if it meant I had to go and wash up in a kitchen and be a kitchen porter for the rest of my life to resolve that situation, I would do it. Honestly, I am just, I am a worker. It's what I do. Yeah, and uh, I will make life happen. I will make things happy. Um, so uh, my friends all went into shock, and a number of them said, "Right, we need to go out for a walk." Or I'm getting the wine. We need to talk about this. What on earth are you doing? That honestly, they were in total shock because I really had progressed so well in the ladder by then, and was doing all these. I was doing all these funky things, and I was doing them in different languages as well. Uh, and one of them said to me uh, over wine one evening, she said, well, whilst you've got time on your hands, can you sort out a cleaner for me? Because I'm running a factory, I'm running a team, I've got three children, I've got this big house and all of these kinds of things. I said, oh, yeah, all right, then I'll do that. I'll find you a cleaner. I can sort that one out. And after the second bottle of wine, we came up with the name Domestic Angels. And essentially everything else is history. That's where it <laughs> came from. And I just went with it because 
I just do, I get on with things, Ed. I don't think too hard, I've never thought too hard about stuff. I just get on with it. And I'm grateful for the life that I've got. And yeah. Oh my goodness, I'm gonna be thinking about this a lot. But, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's, it's, it's interesting because um, I don't think everyone has that luxury, right? Just to get up and get going. And, and just that's, that's their natural instinct. I think some people, there's that element of fear, right? Of what ifs and, you know, try and take the safe route, stick to what you know and things like that. So there's a certain amount of bravery in what you're doing there. But I think also uh, that's, that's really great of your friends to sort of come around you and say, right, let's sort something out for, with you. And uh, they didn't try and um, push you back into that old career. Instead, what they did is they helped you to come up with a different solution, which I think is fantastic. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And they are still awesome today. They are all still part of my life. Um, yeah, it is what happens when you've got good friends around you. that They will give you 100% support and not be afraid for you. Um, yeah, so are we dealing with our own fears or somebody else's fears in those scenarios? Who's the limitation creator? Is it ourselves or is it coming from somewhere else? Is it our obsession with the perceptions of others that is limiting us or is it preconceived ideas? Where does it come from? Do you know, I don't, I think my mum in particular never told me that I couldn't do things. She didn't create those limitations with me. Um, I could do what I liked and I did. <laughs> And I still do. <laughs> uh, that, so that that again is kind of in, that that's really interesting to me because I I was the same. My mum just kind of let me get on with whatever I wanted to do, and so I ended up uh, yeah putting up marquees for eight years because I, I enjoyed going playing football, drinking with my friends, and and doing that kind of stuff. Uh, and then I had a moment where I realised that I needed to grow up, and um, and that's when I I found you know, recruitment and things went on from there. But I never, I never at any point kind of felt like a, yeah, it fit in at all. If you see what I mean. Um, I, I never, I never had a, a direction that I was particularly heading in. It's a lot more different today. I've kind of had a chat with myself and kind of gone through, I've, I've done the friends intervention, but to myself, you know, I sat down a few years ago and, and sort of figured it out. But um, I'm sure there's loads of other people out there that are in that that similar situation where they're they're out there doing whatever they want, but there's no direction to it. So it's yeah, yeah, okay. I see, I see what you mean. And uh, often there is the the topic of discussion around about you know don't be afraid, take the step. It's or you know it's a big step going into your own business and and, and everything. And I never had that fear. It was the most natural thing for me and do you know what i i hurt repeatedly especially during the first five years because i've now learned a lot of lessons it's about recruitment and employing your own team but, but when you're the employer oh it's a whole different story yeah. <laughs> and, um, and it's it, it, there's painful moments but you learn you grow you move on and i'd say now finally and uh, I'd even give credit to the pandemic in the last two years for helping get to that final point. I feel like I'm really in flow with myself and my business. This, it just, there's no element of it that's a chore. It's so interesting. 
and it's not draining it's not exhausting it's not a fight yeah that's cool it, it it's just natural it's symbiotic ah awesome i'm, I'm going to come back to the 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 pandemic and, and what that did to the business but Bef- before we do can you tell me a little bit about um domestic angels and what the business started out doing what that looked like and then kind of and how it's built up over the years oh well after the discussion with my friend and the two bottles of wine and the invention of domestic angels i put a little advert in the local newspaper on the 11th of april 2002 uh to advertise it's about 20 years ago now it is it's 20 years ago now actually we haven't celebrated it yet so congratulations yeah (laughs) something i need to do something about actually um uh yeah i i put the advert in the newspaper i went to the same friend's uh office to borrow her photocopier so that i could just make a few application forms and things like that and at 10 past 11 on the 11th of April 2002, the phone rang and it was a lady called Tina and Tina was our first cleaner. It's good, isn't it? You won't forget that. <laughs> and Tina stayed yeah. for eight, nine years, I think it was. And she got involved in the office and administration. Um, so I learned a lot from Tina because she was very much in the industry. Um, yeah. And then basically I employed staff and yeah they came and went (laughs) and some stayed longer than others Uh, a couple are still with me 20 years on so that's lovely Uh, so big up out there to the lovely janet who has been around for 20 years i mean christ what's that all about that's amazing and she really is excellent um and and uh yeah just sort of kept going and growing a very simple business and i still have the accounts books today because I did them in pencil on paper because way back then that's what we did Ed yeah. that's when you were at school what's that pencil and, and paper no, no I, I don't recognise it <laughs> I, know, I, know, I know I didn't even know how to do a spreadsheet back then and I went to HMRC and I learned how to run the pay, uh, wage roll on really large bits of paper with a pencil and a rubber um, and, and I learned it all myself I didn't, I didn't ever put anything out until it was way down the line and I had the funds in. And I actually, it's a really top tip for people who are starting their own business because you get surrounded by loads of sharks saying, oh, well, I'll do this for you and do that for you. Well, that's great, except you haven't got a turnover yet and you haven't got a profit to pay for it. So don't do it. Uh, but apart from that, if you do it yourself, you do the wage roll yourself, even if it's not your natural territory, when you do hand it out, you will spot a, me- a mistake at 10 paces and it really will stand you in good stead. And so that's what I did. And I just kept building and kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And so I had a couple of like senior angels because all our cleaners are called angels because they are. And in 2013, we were made National Home Based Business of the Year. And it's like, where did that come from? And what's that all about? And it was that point that I realized actually I had a business and I was a business owner. All the time up until then, I hadn't thought about that. What I was doing is I was working, Ed. I was doing what Sam does. I work and I make that money come through the door one way or another. And I make time to be with our son so I could cycle to school and back. I could be at all the rugby matches. I could do all the swimming lessons. You know, it was never a problem. I could do the whole thing. I really did have my cake and eat it. But then when I realized I actually had a business, I thought, oh, well, maybe actually I should be getting some help here and uh, I managed to get part of uh, something called Dorman 
which is the Dorset Mentoring Service. I think these okay. exist all over the country, but ours is called Dorman. And I was put together with a chap called Martin Spooner. Now, you, you literally pay a token amount of £100 a year. That's it. Or you did back then. It's probably 200 now. And I still know Martin today. He happens to have a boat as well. <laughs> and Martin came in and he has got, uh, he's got a, fa a fancy MBA and uh, knows how to do all the numbers and say really clever things that I've never heard of before. Uh, and he analyzed everything and then said, well, it's all very well. You can keep growing the way you're going, which was sort of like this. So it's me at the top and then layers and then the customers, but you're getting further away from the customer base. So what you, you're passionate about, which is making sure the customers are taken care of and feel personal and that they are the only customer, is going to get um, watered down. So what you could do is grow by multiplying, by franchising. Okay. And I said, oh, that's the F word. Don't say that to me. <laughs> I, I, I'd gone to a franchising exhibition in 2005 in London. I thought it was the most horrendous experience on the planet. You know, it was uh, an ocean full of sharks all going, let me sell you something. Let me sell. In fact, I'm going to sell you an empty shoe box and you're going to really love this shoe box and make your millions, Rodney. It's like, oh my God, it was just dire, Ed. It's absolutely dire. So bless him. He spent, I mean, this was, this was over the space of a couple of years. He was worked so hard to convince me that actually franchising was a good way to go and that we could do franchising in the spirit of domestic angels. So with our ethos, our moral framework, with Sam's approach to work, with the way I feel about the world, which is if I'm in it for time and money, so should everybody else be. So all of the staff, all of the customers and anybody connected to us, it's for the same reason. And we have to keep that purpose central. Um, and it's not about um, banging the drum and making everybody jump higher and higher. It's got a different reasoning behind it because there's so many parents out there who want to be able to have their own business and have their own time and have their own yeah anyway going down another avenue there um so uh and then uh somehow i became i can't remember exactly how actually i'd have to look it up became the live client for the bournemouth university mba cohort okay get that yeah. one so <laughs> I spent a year working with these people who've got the most enormous brains. Now, they do know lots of words and things that I've never heard of in my life. And uh, I have seen those words again since because I got involved with them again. But uh, they analysed not only the business, but they looked at the overall industry of cleaning and they analysed the franchise sector in so much depth, depth, it's unreal. In fact, you can see I've got a filing cabinet behind yep. me. That whole top drawer is full of MBA reports oh, wow. and MBA stuff that came out of it. And it's absolutely fascinating. So that was in 2015, I think it was. And it was the most amazing experience. And um, at the end of the year, they did the, all these presentations about how domestic angels should move forward. And then they all, without shadow of a doubt, recommended franchising, but in a particular way and with certain priorities in place and purposes in place. Uh, and they bless them, they turned it into traffic lights for me. Oh, wow. So that I knew where the danger zones were and I could make it easy for myself to understand uh, and where the risks were. Uh, and it's like, right, okay, 
let's do this. Um, from my financial services background, uh, I have a really good skill set in process definition that I'd learnt with um, the teams at KPMG, who often sat in with us. And, and so I just started defining all of the processes. And out of that, I was able to create all the process definition for our own in-house software. Okay. To run the business. So it's smart diary. It's called Halo in-house. Uh, it's known as Paxan to everybody else, but it's Halo in-house. And basically, it you, you go in there and you go, oh, I'm going to book um, Angel Janet in with Mrs. Jones on Monday at 10 o'clock, and it's going to be on repeat. And it goes in, and it just goes on repeat. But it also repeatedly is talking to zero accountancy yeah. software that generates the invoicing. So the, the franchisees don't have to touch invoicing at all. It's just done automatically for them. There's no issue there. Oh, that. Um, so, that sounds magical, yeah, to be honest. It, <laughs> yeah, it is. Well, one of the things that came out from the MBA cohort and their research is that franchisees get really annoyed about the fact that they are bought into uh, a franchise, but then still end up doing all of the stuff that they don't want to do. You know, we, they could have done if they had a blank piece of paper. And uh, the, the big thing that they hate doing is the accountancy, the bookkeeping. So we just took it away and make it made it automatic and central. Uh, so yeah, we worked on that, developed, developed that and started writing the, the manual so that everybody could run their own business. And in 2017, um, we found our first franchisee. And so, yeah, we then maneuvered over as to being Domestic Angels Franchising. And here we are five years later. How did that happen? I think it is really interesting that at the, the the beginning there, when you were talking about you just learning all these different things like payroll and, and all these other aspects to business, I'm not sure everyone wants to do that or even expects that when they're setting up their own company. I, For me, I didn't realize it could be so complicated and so much of a bore for me. You know, I don't enjoy doing it at all. Um, so... So that I think is pretty amazing that you just kind of just took that in your stride and got on with it. But I love that now you've created that solution for the franchisees that are joining your network because, yeah, I, I, I guess I probably would have expected some of those elements to be taken taken care of for me, you know, so that I don't have to do that so I can focus in on the, the main goals. So that's that's pretty cool for your, your franchisees that they've got that. But what what... What kind of impact, I wanted to ask about the franchising side, what kind of an impact has that had on your business? Has that allowed you to be closer to your clients or, or has it thrown up different challenges for you? Oh, yes, yeah, very different, actually, Ed. Um, so, no, I am not closer to the paying client, but the franchisees are. Cool. So yeah. there's more, there are more clients today than there ever was. But they have they still feel like they are the only client. And that's the important result, because the franchisees are able to give them that time and that dedication and the customer service. So, yeah, that that is a big ticket box in terms of change for me. My customers are the franchisees. Yeah. So that's who I talk to and who I have to take care of and uh, make sure things are working smoothly. And yeah, during, during this winter, actually, I took some um, some of the what might be perceived as basic business functions back in house, but well, back in onto my desk so that I could just dive back into them deep and see if they still 
tick boxes for me, if they could be any better. And that's not necessarily because I'm the expert, but I can be the expert and I can have a really good go and I can ask experts questions and say, do you know what? Why can't this do something differently? Or can this be better? Or can this evolve? Are we missing tricks? And, um, you know, everybody's very helpful and generous with their time and and happy to um, join in that game of investigation and creation because for me it is really really creative yeah Um, yeah that's the that's the fun stuff definitely (laughs) not the not the stuff you have to do for me you know like (laughs) sending invoices and chasing up payments and all that kind of stuff that's Uh, yeah okay but that's the bit for me that i don't want to be in business for necessarily it's the the creation and setting things up that's the fun stuff i think for um, for most people isn't it um yes yes getting the clients that ticks a big box doesn't it that makes you feel good it's like yeah that's it. Yeah. i'm gonna make them happy and yes they're happy and yes you send out an invoice but it's only going to really make you happy if you get that money coming back in it so we need to have a little talk on the side about dealing with that one don't we yeah definitely (laughs) definitely but um okay so we we mentioned the the pandemic uh, a moment ago so um yeah what what did that do to your business because um obviously everybody's at home a lot more you know uh, there's more people that are on furlough so they've got time to perhaps clean their own houses and um I guess it would have had a, a bit of an impact on 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 your business it had a massive impact, absolutely massive impact. Uh, it, I mean, it slapped the business big, big style, really, really did, um, because we couldn't go into people's houses um, because the law uh, stopped us from doing so. However, we could look after vulnerable people. Um, okay. And that became a problem because then we couldn't furlough all of the staff or the franchisees couldn't furlough all of their staff because we still needed one or two to be able to go in. Uh, however, at the beginning of the pandemic, there wasn't um, partial furlough. It was either 100% or nothing. So, yeah, we worked together with lawyers who liaised with the Treasury for us so that we could overcome that because that was going to put us in a really vulnerable situation and also... And, and we, we could not bring ourselves to let those vulnerable people down. Really, really couldn't. You know, some of them genuinely would never see anybody else. And it's no good saying, oh, well, the local council volunteers would be on the doorstep. These people have no contact. They can't make the phone calls. They've maybe got dementia or some other situation going on. And they won't even let their family in in a number of uh, cases because that's what dementia does to people and that's what their illness does so we had to be really hmm, determined and do the right thing say okay this is what the law is saying well we're going to do the right thing and we'll tackle the law bit afterwards because this is all being made up now on the spot anyway so just as the government were making it up, it was like, well, yeah, okay, we get the context of what you're talking about. We get the spirit of what you're going to talk, you're talking about. And if you had the chance to speak to individual businesses, you would agree with us. So let's just get on with it and then stick the legal stuff in behind and overcome that situation. It also meant deal with dealing with HMRC because uh, it could appear that our franchise territories were merging for tax purposes and they weren't. What we were doing was um, combining 
to be able to look after these very, very vulnerable people who would be in a very bad situation in our society. So, yeah, we, we, we had, had to deal with that. That was hard. Um, and for me personally, those first that first lockdown, I think it was about three months long, wasn't it? Um, yeah, something like that. I worked stupid hours absolutely stupid hours i was doing a clear six and a half days a week and my days when i get into days are, i i like to be at my desk for half past six in the morning <laughs> off again and uh, i'll i'll go and go and go and go until i drop basically and i just kept at it and at it and at it and i was looking ahead of the game going well when we come out of this what we're going to need okay we're going to need new health and safety we're going to need new communications to customers how do we go back into people's houses so you like you're visioning before you're told at some point yeah. we're going to be told we can go back in so when we go back in how are we going to look after the angels how are we going to look after the clients how do you make this role how does it feel for the franchisees and during that time how do you take care of the franchisees you're going oh my business has been ripped away from me yeah so we got counselors involved and um guest speakers to buoy them up and make them feel good about themselves and that they're not alone. Uh, and then wor I worked on all those processes and documentation uh, in the background. And then at the same time, uh, you know, crunching the numbers. Oh my God, it was endless, 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 endless. So um, my, one of my office people, my office manager at the time, um, had I furloughed her so that financially we could get through in the core business. And she's got small children, so it made sense. She uh, she yeah. that more than I did. Um, so she was doing that. And so as we came out of that first lockdown and started to emerge, she gave me a call. She said, look, I really am bored now. <laughs> said, and you're clearly shattered. How about we do something? I said, oh, all right then. Well, how about we, we go um, like job share? because she knew how to run the whole business. And because I'd done all of the work for it to relaunch, she didn't need to do anything on the innovation front. It was just run the business. And she said, all right then, uh, we'll do two weeks on, two weeks off. I said, fine, okay, that works for me. And uh, so she picked up the reins and honestly, Ed, I went to sleep and I slept and slept and slept. <laughs> uh, and I think it was day 10. I thought, my goodness, I feel different. And I started to get creative again in my yeah. mind about the business about what we can do and what was happening in the economy because you could sense that there's a shift in the way people were reacting to um the world and uh, the community uh and people were shifting their decision making to value-based value-driven and away from price-driven it was like well okay where are we going to go with that um so I started to have, have the seeds of the this creative thought that I really enjoy. Uh, and I mean, that, that came actually down the line and uh, I gave her a call and said, how are you getting on? She said, oh, I'm having a brilliant time. I said, well, funny enough, <laughs> so am I. And she said, well, let's not change. So I stayed on furlough and she stayed working and I had a few months off. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> I had a few months on furlough where I could just sort of uh, recover, uh, feel better about the world again, and get these creative juices going and looking, well, this is going to be a substantial change. And at some point, we're going to come out of this and things will not go back to what is was once normal, not that definition. It's going to be a new 
definition and what's that definition going to be how's it going to feel and how do i want to be within that and how does the business want to be in that how do the franchisees want to be in that do we even want the franchise you know it's all, all of those questions so i was able to take that time out to really recover think and do what all of us as business leaders should do actually is allow ourselves to be creative and have fun with it all um and then come back to it um so yeah it was really really interesting yeah i think it's a lot of the business owners that i speak to say about taking a break taking a step away and 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 trying to allow those creative juices to flow so to speak sitting here as somebody who's just starting a business, it feels very difficult to sort of allow yourself time to do that because you think like, you know, Sam from, from 20 years ago, I just need to keep working, 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 do yeah, do, do stuff all the time. Yeah, because uh, you haven't got any cash flow <laughs> at the start, right? There's there's nothing. So you, you feel like you have to keep on going every step of the way. But yeah. Um, yeah, I do yeah. find that if I go for a walk, allow myself an hour at lunch or something like that, actually an idea, a better idea comes along and yeah, it, it's just difficult, isn't it? To try and find that balance. So I think you're, you're quite lucky to to have had somebody there who was very capable and able to to take over. But what, one other thing I wanted to touch on there but that you, you said there, that people generally started to consider more about the value rather than the, the price. I also think people started to think about their time a lot more as well, right? You know, like, is this the best use of my time? Commuting yeah. to and from work is one thing, of course. Yeah. For, and I know for me personally and, and my, my wife, who was um, training to be a teacher, um, we were looking at it as, would we rather spend on a cleaner? This is for us. And we haven't got a massive house. You know, we're a semi-detached kind of, well, it's actually end of terrace house that we've got, you know, three bedroom place. So it's not, not huge by any means, but we thought actually if we can get a cleaner 15, I think it's 15 pounds a week or something like that. Or we're, we're paying, or is it 15 pounds an hour? I, I can't remember whatever it is. Anyway, is it, is it, we, if we then spend that time that we've spent cleaning actually, uh, you know, doing the education piece in the evening for my wife, me setting up my business, you know, editing podcasts and all that good stuff as well, instead of cleaning, is that time better spent for us? So then we can then, um, you know, have our whole weekends with the kids and do stuff like that. And we sat down and we went, yeah, we've, we've saved up a little bit from, uh, you know, not commuting all the time. We've got a little bit of cash. So yeah, let's just do it. And it's been great. <laughs> really 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 enjoyed it and I guess that you're seeing in your business now there's there's probably a more of a demand for yeah, cleaners right now is that right ones to do that. awesome so um I'm going to move on to um my my usual three questions now that I ask people at the end and the first one uh is my favorite and I'm hoping and I'm, I'm confident there's going to be a good story here is what what weird strange or interesting stories have you got from your career my career or my business both whatever you whatever however you want to look at it it's from your your work in life I guess or any funny stories as well <laughs> oh my god I gotta be really careful here Ed because we work in people's homes and we have confidentiality oh but then I need to do it without using names oh goodness gracious I don't I don't know the answer <laughs> to that one Ed because do you, do you know what we do life yeah. in domestic angels we do humans so something happens every single day 
it, you know, yesterday morning, one of the first calls that came in was one of the, uh, our older clients actually just had his 100th birthday and died. And it's really normal for us to go through these or be with a person when they die, or we've been with families when there's been stillbirths. Um, and we're the first people to find out about uh, weddings and bridesmaid material because you can tell us because you can't tell anybody else and all these things so we're really really privileged in that we we do humans and we know so much about what's going on in in people's lives and i'm trying to think of a really funny story i know so many but it would be terribly tragic if they worked out it was them i was talking about and uh, <laughs> some of them are very rude it often involves some things that we shouldn't talk about in public you know ed <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that that's fine. I think it's I think it's interesting what you, you you're saying there, though. Like because you you I guess you're being invited into somebody's homes, into their families, and and uh, yeah, there's not many there's not many professions where you do that. You know, people keep their private lives a little bit separate. But you're yeah, you're getting to see under the covers, so to speak. <laughs> oh, literally. Yeah, literally. yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> and there's several stories in, in sort of in that context and I'm sure the book would be an incredible global bestseller <laughs> it's just <laughs> hilarious <laughs> oh awesome awesome well let's move on before we uh, offend anyone or upset someone or it gets too uh, it gets too risky so <laughs> um that that my next question is um what's been your your proudest or most inspiring moment My son. Awesome. And, and how old is he now? He's 21 and he, he's doing his finals in yacht design and production, which was his dream. And uh, the dissertation's due in this week and apparently I'm reading it. That would be interesting. I won't know what it's about. Uh, and so the decision that I made to walk away from financial services and create domestic angels so that I could be the best parent I could possibly be has worked. It's paid off. Oh, awesome. That's really cool. That's really good. And maybe he's going to design and build you a yacht one day. <laughs> Is that the plan? <laughs> well, I haven't heard that it's part of the plan, but it wouldn't surprise me. No, he wants to, he's going to be a professional um, sailor and he's going to race around the world. Oh, awesome. That'd be really cool. Oh, yeah. fantastic. Well, that's, that's a really nice one. And really um, important, I think, because it, well, it sounds like he would have been one when you started the business. So must have been at the forefront of your mind at that point in time is that you know you've got to create something that's going to help um the future for for, for your child and uh yeah I kind, of, I kind of feel the same with my kids they're a bit older since I've started this business uh, like five and seven but that's a big part of it I want something for them to have in the future so to allow them to follow their dreams and and have a, a good start in maybe setting up their own business buying a franchise whatever it may be but or the education side of things so um i think that's awesome that you've managed to achieve that and uh yeah you should be proud it's good well it, it goes it goes back around to the big topic that we talked about right up front which is you know how come i did this and i just worked and worked and worked at it well why because my husband and i wanted to provide the, the best life we could for our son and support him in the best way we we knew how which was by giving him time and love yeah Awesome. I love it. That's great. And and I think I think anybody who's trying to make a change in their career, whether it's to another job, to self-employment, to franchising, whatever it may be, I think the most important thing is to understand your why 
and, and understand your core values as well. You know, I that when I said to you uh, bef- before about talking to myself, having a good chat with myself, that's what I did. I sat there and wrote down everything and just kind of went, this is what I like doing. This is what I'm good at doing. This is what I hate doing. <laughs> this is what I don't want to do. But also, why do I want to build a business? Why do I actually want to take myself out of that nice, safe comfort zone of employment where I could find it's always confident I could find a job anywhere doing something but why take myself out of that comfort zone and yeah a lot of it's to do with kids but some of it's to do with being able to travel to more places that I want to travel to and and make the yeah, make the use of my time you know yeah and um, which will come down the line yeah that will uh, come uh, down the line yeah uh, and there's an interesting situation at the moment where uh my personal why has changed <laughs> <laughs> because son's standing on his own two feet so it's like okay replacement therapy that's why I've got the yacht <laughs> <laughs> that's now your baby yeah <laughs> excellent well um it's been really good kind of listening to your 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 um your stories and your your career and and how you built the business to where it is today but uh, we obviously touched on franchising for a little while so and starting your own business so my final question is around that really. And if you're you're standing in front of somebody who's potentially about to buy a franchise, whether that's yours or any others, what's the most important? What's the one piece of advice you would give to them? Does it feel right? Yeah. Does it feel right? Um, you can write down all of the numbers. You can look at all of the processes and all those things. But if it doesn't feel right, it's not the right thing because you need to be able to have a successful relationship with the franchisor. So Ed, if you if you wanted to come into Domestic Angels, you need to think, yeah, I can talk to Sam, I can talk with Sam, and I know that Sam is going to make sure that the best comes out, out of me and that this goes well. Then you're going to be looking at are all the structures in place and are the structures and processes in place that tick boxes for me so uh no bookkeeping tick (laughs) (laughs) um and and can you see yourself in that role can can you see yourself as a successful franchisee within that role do you identify with the other uh, franchisees does it sort of make sense like yeah i belong to that tribe i could be part of that tribe i identify with them it makes sense Go about it in a very, very human way. You can read all the books you like, but if it doesn't feel right, it's not right. Yeah, I agree. I uh, perhaps naively a few years ago thought it was always all about the logos, right? And the brand and, you know, how well known is it and things like that, which in some industries and some businesses I think is very important. But actually it's this, the people behind it and can you work with them? Because any problem that you face you can be overcome if you've got the right people around you. And I think that wraps it up and ties it up nicely with, you know, in your career, you know, when you yeah. started Domestic Angels, but also during the pandemic. So it's, yeah, I think, I think that's really good advice. So thank you for that. And, and Samantha and Sam, I nearly called you Samantha then, cause it's written down there, but, and Sam, thank you very much for, um, you know, your time today. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you. Thanks, Ed. Thank you so much again. And it's a great opportunity. It's so good to chat with you. Thank you so much. Thank you as well. Take care now. Bye-bye.
All right, so there we go. That was my conversation with Sam Acton, the founder of Domestic Angels. And what a lovely person she is. Again, thank you so much to her for bearing with me with my uh, internet issues. I think it's come out good for for you guys to listen to. But uh, yeah, massive thanks to her again. Absolute professional, just plowing on, regardless of me dropping in and out of the conversation. But there's a couple of things that really stood out for me in this conversation. And the first one really was Sam's approach to work, uh, her attitude. You know, she is somebody who will just get her head down and uh, take a kernel of an idea and make it work. And I think that's fantastic. And I've seen lots of people that, that do that in business, right? That's that's uh, a real skill is to have that tenacity, that drive just to get on and, and eventually know that something's going to work, something's going to happen from that. But I don't think all of us have got that luxury. I feel that I've worked hard in the past, put my head down and just got on with things. And and I couldn't find a way to, to become, you know, in my eyes, successful. And I'm sure many of you listening will find the same as well. So what do you do if you're not that type of person? What do you do if you're not a, a Sam Axon who's just going to make something happen out of that, that hard work? Well, I think um, following people like her and taking her idea and taking her format and and then once you apply that, um, that hard work to somebody else's format, that's when you can have a business for yourself and that's why I think franchising is such a good option for so many people. I won't bang the drum about it too much but hopefully you can see you know there are other people out there who have who have taken the kernel of an idea created something from it so that when you apply that hard work to it you know you can reap the benefits as well so I thought that was really interesting and the, the second thing as well is the, the why behind why Sam started her business you know I, I think ultimately it was a son right you know he was about one years old and she wanted to be able to provide something for him for the future or create a scenario where he could actually uh, go out there and do the things he wanted to do without having to go through all that that hard work and energy uh, not knowing the, the direction he's going in from day one and I think you know that that why is ultimately what drives someone like Sam I think and, and I think we all have our why's in there somewhere as well it's just difficult to find them so for, for me you know I, I think I mentioned it to Sam in that that conversation but I, I yeah a good few years ago I just sat down and wrote wrote it all down I, I put down what I was good at what I enjoyed doing what I disliked doing what I wasn't good at and you know what did I want to see, to see and achieve in my life so you know holidays make sure my kids are, are well provided for and, and have an opportunity to do what they want in the future all, all those good things and I'm sure um, if you think about it um, you could create a, a list of your own but I would recommend wholly you know writing it down because at the end of the day it forces you to make that decision so um, I don't know if Sam did it herself I didn't ask her that question but you know I think he was clear in her mind what her why was and I think once you've got that you know whether it's building your own business whether it's buying into a franchise or whether it's employment that's really going to help you make that decision and then those elements of fear of taking that leap um, into into investing in yourself um, it's not so scary because the alternative is a lot worse where you're just you know working hard going nowhere in a, in a job you don't enjoy and that's 
that's the worst thing. I, I don't wish that for for anybody. So, anyway, there we go. That's that's enough from me on that one. Uh, just a, a quick reminder to you that you know there's plenty more episodes. Make sure you subs- hit the subscribe button, and you'll be alerted as the the new ones come out. Um, check out www.thefranchised.com. Uh, we're about to to launch a new website, so there's a little bit of information on there at the moment, but. Uh, plenty more advice videos and and guidance and some of the brands that we're we're now working with as well are going to be on there so keep an eye out for that as well as on all the other social media channels uh we've started to to put stuff onto tiktok as well so again if you see us on tiktok linkedin instagram facebook uh, even youtube uh, just make sure you hit that subscribe button it really is um, helpful for for me and the franchise to uh, spread the word on franchising and and help people to find the future they deserve. Last shout out, of course, goes to the sponsors of the podcast, Symphony. Make sure you check out them so you don't miss out on any opportunities as you build your own business or franchise. So thank you very much for listening once again. Really appreciate every single person that does and I hope to catch you on the next one. Bye-bye.